Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight Sabbaths. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. And welcome back. It's me, your stalwart witch, Megan Angus. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast once again, or if this is your first time, welcome in, have a seat, make yourself at home, kick off your shoes. It's okay if your feet stink. We don't mind. (laughs) Um, On that note, I have uh, been getting a lot of new listeners lately, and I really want to say massive, massive thank yous to all of my uh, incredible followers and listeners who have been sharing this podcast. I know I say it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. Um, It is your support that makes this happen. And it's, uh, it tickles my cold, crusty heart. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Um, When people trust this work and they share it with their friends, their coworkers, their loved ones, um, it really is the most special thing to me. And I think it's also the the very best advertising I could possibly ask for because it comes with a seal of approval. Uh, So thank you very much for sharing this and reposting it on social media and all of that good stuff. You guys are cool, man. You guys are cool. Okay, Uh, let's get into it because we have, you know, big surprise, a lot to talk about this week. (laughs) Um, though there are some things that I'm going to skip over a little bit. I'm going to mention, but not get too hardcore into it because we have another wheel of the year class coming up very, very shortly. Uh, June 14th, 6 PM Pacific standard time on YouTube's, uh, will be our next live stream. Please come join me in chat. You just need a YouTube account to be able to join us in chat. If you want to ask questions, leave comments, heckle me, please do. Uh, and this class will be focused on the upcoming Sabbath, Litha or Midsummer or Summer Solstice. Yes, the wheel continues to turn and we are just about done with spring and we are about to step through the gateway into summer and into Litha season and uh, do all the shape shifting that we need to, um, you know, play with and encounter and, and consider as we step again out of our spring work and into our summer work. So I hope to see you there. Um, the little, what's the shill for that? Okay. Uh, folks who subscribe to my Patreon at the $9 level, the Venus level and higher, it's nine bucks a month, uh, get access to the Litha workbook, the Litha calendar, digital spells, a copy of the class, a recording of the class and oh, so much more as well as the warm, buttery feeling of knowing that you are supporting this work. Um, Folks that subscribe at the sun level every month and higher, that's 23 bucks a month and higher, uh, get readings with me. 
Um, those folks get two readings a year to ground themselves into our Sabbath work, our wheel work, uh, get oriented in where that stuff is happening in your chart, what might be coming up for you for the next six months, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and folks that subscribe at the Jupiter level and higher, that's $66 a month and higher, get access to all of that stuff, all of my extra writings that are on Patreon, all the extra uploads uh, and uh, readings with me every month to really, really dive in on this work. Um, and rolling it back, folks that subscribe at the Mercury level and higher, which is $5 a month, get access to the notes uh, that I have now started producing for every podcast. So, you know, some of the holidays, it's difficult to understand what I'm saying. They're very obscure words. It's a lot of information. If this is your first time here, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff and it can be difficult to keep track of it. Very reasonable. My notes are extensive because I have a hard time keeping track of all the stuff that we need to talk about. Um, and there's extra images and journaling entries and stuff like that for every week. So, um, you know, thank you so much to my patrons who support me and make it possible for me to uh, dedicate myself to doing this work. Uh, I am driven to do it. So thanks for supporting my obsession. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but here we are, right? Here we are. Um, okay. You know what? That's plenty. That's plenty of that. Um, thanks for your support. You guys are rad. Even you. Yeah. Especially you actually. Um, let's get into it. What are we talking about this week? We are in Beltane season waning moon in Pisces lunar week 11 by some lunar calendars. Um, so let us for the last time this year ground into our Beltane energy and our Beltane work. This is a season that has been dedicated to fertility, fecundity, and action. And you know, I give, I gave the lecture last week about, you know, working with a word like fertility. We are, we don't want to have a small definition of fertility only equaling people getting pregnant and making babies. Fertility means the capacity to gestate something, to nurture something, to bring something into physical world manifestation. That's what the word fertility really means. And any gender, any type of person, uh, anybody at any age can participate in the idea and the energy of fertility. So we are really doing a lot of that stuff in Beltane season. Diving into that further, we're looking at sexuality, whatever that means for you. We also talked a lot about that in previous episodes. The union of energies, the initiation into interpersonal mysteries, love, also, whatever that word means for you, uh, the return of the passion and vitality that we are going to be working with in summer, which is right around the corner, uh, rites of passage, playing and pranking, and then also doing a level of spirit work and lots of divination. Divination, definitely an important thing as we move through Beltane season, because we want to know what adjustments we need to make, what things we need to be looking out for as we head into summer. So let us get on with what the heck is actually happening this week. 
Our lunar week starts at 12.31 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with a waning moon in Pisces at 19 degrees. Uh, This moon is sextile Uranus and Taurus at 20 degrees and is also making a wide conjunction to Neptune in Pisces at 27 degrees. I have a chart for this up in our notes on Patreon so you can look at the chart of this moment. Um, This is our mutable water of mutable air. Mutable water, Pisces, mutable air, Gemini season, which we are traveling through currently. And again, our mutable signs are here to assist us in changing shape and shifting forms and moving out of that thing and, you know, ending stuff, adapting things, mutating things, adjusting things. That's what the mutable signs are here to help us with. And we get mutable signs, you know, at the end of the seasons all throughout the year. So all of them are here to help us adjust. Gemini is helping us adjust what we know, what we think we know, the sources where we're receiving information from, the information that we are choosing to believe or choosing to leave behind, et cetera, et cetera, right? Gemini, air sign, obviously, but Gemini is very dedicated to data and information and knowledge and the the acquiring of that, the considering of it, the sharing of it, and then acting upon that information. So that's what we've been doing for this last month is pulling in data, pulling in information about what we're going to need to know for the coming months. And, um, but before we get in, well, we've already gotten into that. So let me say this, we're in the waning half moon. And what we, what do we get with a waning half moon? The fruit begins to wither. Uh, in our little plant metaphor that we use every month to talk about the phases of the moon, new moon is a seed, waxing crescent is a sprout, the waxing half moon is a branch or a vine, the gibbous moon is you know, a deeper branch or vine, like a, the, the pace is starting to pick up with the growth. At the full moon, we have a fruit. At the disseminating moon, we have that fruit ripen. And now here at the waxing half, that fruit begins to wither on the vine. And this is a natural part of the process. What do we do with our waxing half moons? We take a moment to consider our process up to this point and think about what's not working anymore that we need to let go of to make room for some new stuff. And we also want to think about what worked okay, but can we summon the bravery to let that thing go in lieu of making space for something that could work even better? I always encourage both of those attitudes and both of those takes of like, you know, some parts of our process are going to work, some are not, but even the parts that are working, is it time to let that stuff go to make room for something that could be even better? And again, it's a, we're in the season of Gemini, we're working with Pisces. And so some of this is going to be around emotional process. Some of this is going to be around our spiritual process. Um, a waning half moon in Pisces is a pretty emo moon. Wide conjunction to Neptune, also here in Pisces, also the ruler of Pisces. Extra emo, extra spiritual. Um, And uh, in the Moon Phase Astrology by Raven Caldera, which is a book that I reference a lot in this podcast, they consider this moon 
a, a pretty sorrowful moon, a moon where a lot of emotions can come up. And, you know, I don't know where you are, your process. There's plenty of things that are bummer vibes in the world right now. Right. Um, so could be a moon where that stuff is for whatever reason, kind of hitting you extra hard, or it's really up in your face, uh, this time around. Um, and that is supported by this wide conjunction from Neptune. Like, well, I'm kind of getting lost in my emotions or I'm definitely like swimming in my soaking in my emotions. Um, you know, and maybe that's, maybe that's something that you need to do right now. Um, you, you know where you are in your process. So take what makes sense for you here and leave what doesn't. But I also love that we have this sextile from Uranus because the other thing that Raven Caldera says about this moon is, might you be feeling down? Might you be feeling like depressed or freaked out by what is not okay in the world? Yes. Uh, but also go be around people who inspire you and give you hope for the future and give you hope for change. And that is definitely something that we can lean on uh, Uranus for with a sextile. Uranus is going to say, hey, I know it's scary and it's weird, but there's a new day around the corner. Here are some adjustments and some changes that we can make to bring that new day closer. So we've got some cool astrology assisting us here. Um, and, you know, helpful, right? That's, that's super cool. Okay. That's really, I think, all I want to say about this moon. I don't want to get too hardcore into it. Hang out with it as you see fit. I guess this is the other thing I want to say. Anytime that we're getting an aspect from Neptune, and this moon is ruled by Neptune in Pisces, anytime we're getting a, an aspect from Neptune, we can have a tendency to kind of leave the body and its concerns behind. And if you are having a day or a few days of rest and relaxation, that's lovely. Um, not everybody is going to have that. Some of us are going to be working or going to school during this time period because that's just the way the world works right now. Let me lovingly remind you, drink some water, make sure you have a snack, make sure you're checking in with your body and that you're in whatever ways are safe and healthy for you, moving your body on a regular basis, a little stretch, a little something. Um, and it's just because we can really detach from the physical form and kind of forget to take care of it. And the body certainly has its needs. Um, so that, that's all. That's the loving reminder. There we go. Okay. When we have a waxing or excuse me, a waning moon in Pisces, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the legs, especially the ankles and feet. I'm extra, extra encouraging this right now because, of course, we are heading into the hot part of the year. For a lot of us, it already is the hot part of the year. So that means for a lot of us, more walks, more hikes, more swimming, more outdoor fun. We might be moving our bodies a lot more than we have in a few months, or for some of us, even a few years, because we are collectively, quote unquote, coming out of COVID, uh, the the international panini. Um, and our bodies might be like, what is this? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> What's happening? Um, you know, so we might be a little more sore, a little more rickety, <laughs> a little more, you know, unstable than usual. So just be kind with your body and take care of it. That said, as I say every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a doctor of the mysteries. Woo! 
And so what the hell do I know about healthcare? Go check in with your trusted health provider uh, to make sure that this information is accurate and correct and safe and healthy for you. And also, I as, as I do every week, I encourage you to work with the metaphor. Um, Pisces is all about the feet. So what's your path? Where are you walking? What are you stepping in? Uh, what are you poking one toe into, right? That stuff too makes sense here. For our plant body work with a waning moon in Pisces, we are planting plants that are root oriented. Uh, so our carrots, our, our, our other stuff, our, our root veggies, our tubers, etc. Some sources say no potatoes. We have had an ongoing conversation about this over on Patreon. Potatoes or no. Uh, <laughs> potatoes of rebellion is what this has turned into. So, you know, listen to your gut on that. Uh, great time for watering and irrigating, checking out those systems as well and make sure, making sure that everything is working properly and in good repair. We are also grafting, layering, taking cuttings, we're fertilizing, we're cultivating. We are cutting trees for lumber and firewood. We are pruning our trees. We're doing pest and disease control. Um, and then we are also planting trees, perennials, biennials. We're doing plowing. We're harvesting below ground crops that we intend to eat, uh, to dry, to store, etc. Um, last week, we also had a big conversation around harvesting stuff. We're going to be talking about it more as we step into litha season, summer solstice, and the weeks following summer solstice are magically, traditionally, uh, the most favored time for harvesting our plant material, whether that's, uh, flowers or what have you, um, herbs, spices, seeds, branches, etc., plant parts, roots, even, um, for magic that we are going to utilize later in the year and throughout the year. Um, and that's because the sea, the sun is at its highest point. And so it's thought that the plants are as full of that magical power as they're going to get. Um, and so we want to harvest them at their fullness. Be ethical in your harvesting practices. Thank you. Um, I am a big fan of a, a one to five, a one to six, a one to nine, you know, pick a magical number. And for every, you know, seven plants that you see, you can harvest one. If you don't see seven plants, it's not a good year to harvest. Um, you know, more than one, one to five or higher is really kind of my recommendation there. And, um, but again, don't harvest off of private land unless you have uh, permission. Um, leave no trace, clean up after yourself. If you see traces of other humans, clean that stuff up too. Say thank you and always listen, ask for permission before you do anything. Sit down with the plant, ask for permission. And if you don't get a, res a resounding a uh, consensual hell yeah from that plant, then something maybe is going on with that plant and it's not in a way that you can harvest from it. It's not appropriate for whatever reason. Um, also, I heavily encourage bring something with you to leave as an offering like water, um, you know, fertilizer, if you know what you're doing, um, you know, that kind of a thing. Don't, you know, you might leave tchotchkes or what have you, um, but think about what the environmental impact might be of leaving, you know, glitter for God's sake, or food that isn't normally found in that environment, et cetera, et cetera. Just think about it. Just be expansive in your thinking and all of that stuff. Um, and be, be respectful because, uh, we're dealing with real entities in a magical sense, right? 
in theory, right? Um, and we're asking these entities, would you like to do magic with me? We don't want to start that off with a colonizer attitude of you are here to serve me, plant. So get in my basket, damn it. That's not cool. <laughs> and I didn't tell you to do it. So don't go out there saying my name because you're going to get them pissed off at me. <laughs> and I'm not having it. All right. Um, that aside, our astrology for this day is that we have the sun in Gemini, sextile Chiron in Aries at 19 degrees. Chiron has been slowly making its way through Aries for some time now. So we've all been doing Chiron in Aries work. Thank goodness. Couldn't come sooner. Um, couldn't come at a better time. Um, and what are we doing with this? Healing and loving the parts of us that we have a hard time accepting. Um, those parts of us might be a little more present right now uh, to ourselves or maybe to other people. Um, but this is a great time for pulling that stuff up and giving it a hug and saying, hey, get up. <laughs> Um, for our holy day work here on J June 10th, um, what do we have going on? This is the start of the tree month, the Celtic tree month of Oak. And, um, for folks who are not as familiar with the Celtic tree months, this is a modern idea that a lot of magical people have adopted and work with, and they love working with it, and they work with it very successfully. I just want to emphasize, though, that this is a modern idea. This isn't something that you're going to find going back centuries or millennia. This is something that Robert Graves came up with somewhere in the last, you know, 125 years or so. Uh, but all the same, it's a cool idea. And so basically, Robert Graves chopped up the year and assigned magical trees to every one of these chunks of time. And now we are stepping into oak. For me, this is really interesting timing because we have been in the season of the oak king. It runs from winter solstice to summer solstice. And so the season of the oak king is about to end. Uh, the oak king oversees the dark half of the year. Well, the bright half of the year, the dark half of the year. I mean, it depends how you want to chop that up and think about it or look at it. But at summer solstice, and we're going to talk about this more in the litha class, so I don't want to go into it too hardcore here. But at summer solstice, the holly king and the oak king fight or they have some type of a competition uh, and one wins and one loses. And the power dynamic switches from the Oak King to the Holly King. So it's interesting to have us stepping into the month of the Oak King or the Oak tree, knowing that the Oak King is about to leave the throne as it were. Um, but as we think about that, um, you know, the sun is going to hit its zenith for those of us here in the Northern hemisphere. It's going to have, we're going to have our longest days and our shortest nights and then the days are going to get shorter and shorter from that point. It doesn't feel like it. It's the hottest part of the year for us here in the Northern Hemisphere. But in fact, the days are getting shorter. So something something interesting in that mix of stuff. Um, so what are we doing with our tree month of oak? Well, the work we do now pays off later. Um, this is the time for putting in the sweat equity as somebody, probably some influencer <laughs> said on the internet, um, 
this tree is connected to Jupiter, it's connected to Mars, it's connected to the Green Man, to Zeus, to Thor, and all of those type of god characters in our god archetypes in our various pagan branches. Um, oak represents protection, it represents ancestors, it represents confidence, hard work, um, and uh, the, the prosperity that comes from hard work. Oak is a really hard wood, and that is a big part of where it connects to things like protection. Um, making tools out of oak indicates that that is going to be a strong and sturdy tool. Uh, we can utilize oak for charging our magical tools as well. People also utilize oak for protection in storms. And interestingly enough, um, oak is hit by lightning more frequently than other trees. And if you have been listening to the podcast for the few last few weeks, you know we've been talking about lightning in conjunction with Gemini. Um, and not to skip ahead, but we are in Gemini season in tropical astrology. And at the end of our lunar week, uh, the sun is about to move into Gemini in sidereal astrology. We don't have time to go over what the difference is between those things, but just know that's happening. So that's sort of an interesting thing in the periphery to me. Um, this tree connects us to the Ogham letter Dur, which means door. And we are, in fact, passing through the doorway from spring into summer. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but as an aside, there is a murder of crows just outside of my house that is loud AF. I love it when those giant black clouds of crows <laughs> come swooping over. Something is going down. Somebody has screwed up somewhere and some some revenge is being brought to some guilty person right now and i'm here for it that's witchcraft people that's witchcraft as i'm hollering about the oak king here comes the crows to scoop up his body <laughs> all right that's all of our good stuff for uh june 10th let's scooch on to june 11th all right what have we got going on for sunday june 11th well we have a fuck ton of astrology pardon my french although welcome. I cuss a lot on this podcast if you're new. <laughs> may or may not be work appropriate. Depends on where you work. <laughs> okay, let's get into this. We have a lot of astrology and it's kind of spicy astrology to be frank. Um, first and foremost, I'm just going to go in order by time. First off, we have Pluto retrograde entering 29 degrees of Capricorn, or even technically by some sources, 30 degrees of Capricorn, which kind of doesn't exist, but here we, you know, hello. Um, and then we have just literally hours, not even an hour later, it's like 45 minutes later, Mercury in Taurus trine Pluto retrograde at 29 degrees. And then at the same moment, literally the same second, Mercury enters zero degrees of Gemini. And then later in the day, actually, excuse me, later in the morning, so just a few hours later, this is all kind of happening overnight for the Pacific Coast folks. This is all Pacific Standard Time stuff. Uh, Venus in Leo square Jupiter in Taurus at five degrees. And then a few hours later, 
uh, the moon, excuse me, it's not even later. Why do I keep saying that? It's kind of at the same time, the moon enters Aries. So, okay, whoa, you know, <laughs> okay. you know we could spread the astrology out. The astrology is like, no, <laughs> no, we're going to all hump up on one day. Okay. So what do we have with all of this? Cause that's a lot. Um, first off, Let's not get too freaked out about the fact that Pluto is in retrograde. It spends literally half of the year in retrograde. Six months, six months. That's part of why it takes Pluto so goddamn long to move through the chart, because it is taking its time. Um, so the retrograde part we're not too concerned with, but Pluto doesn't change signs very often. And right now we are in a period of Pluto grinding back and forth over the last couple of degrees in Capricorn and zero degree of Aquarius. Now, pretty much every tropical astrologer under the sun on planet Earth has been talking about Pluto in Capricorn slash Pluto entering Aquarius. So there's a lot of literature on the internet about that. Uh, but the TLDR is for here and us here doing this. <laughs> I can talk. Um, is that this is your last opportunity to do whatever work you have been doing with Pluto in Capricorn. This is the wrap-up period. Um, as I mentioned, Pluto moves really, really slowly uh, through the sky. So Pluto is not going to be back. Once Pluto is done with this last stint, in Capricorn, which ends uh, end of the year, beginning of next year, somewhere in there, um, maybe a little bit later into next year, but we're, we're in the last moments of it. Just, just trust me, go with me on this. Um, Pluto is not going to come back to Capricorn for 250 years. So whatever it's doing in your life, all of the great, all of the terrible, all of the, oh my God, we're not going to have this again in our lifetime unless the nanobots kick in, right? Like, don't get me started on that. But um, but we're not going to be here again, most likely, in our lifetimes. So as terrible as it might have been for you, as profound, as confusing, as whatever it has been, this is it. This is this is the time to soak it in. Um, and I, and I think of, I think of moments like this with Pluto because, because Pluto represents painful stuff and very difficult things as well as monumental and powerful things. I often think of it in the same way as like going to get a tattoo and deciding to not use painkillers or, you know, numbing agents or whatever, which is totally a personal choice. There's no judgment around doing it or not doing it, but I choose to not do it because that's the only time I can feel that. And yeah, it's painful, but it's also informative for me and for my process. Um, and so I, I choose not to do it because I'm not going to feel that anywhere else, even if what I'm feeling is painful or uncomfortable. I can't get that from another source. So whatever information is in there for me, that's the place I, I have to go to get it. And I don't want to numb myself in that process. My long-winded point here is this. <laughs> um, whatever hard work Pluto has brought to you, ultimately Pluto is like, I'm trying to get you to transform and recognize your power. I'm also trying to get you to, or it represents the process. You know, Pluto isn't doing this to us, but it represents the process of us doing this to ourselves. Um, 
Pluto is saying, hey, I'm trying to get you to transform and recognize that you're powerful. And I'm trying to get you to become a strong enough vessel to hold that power and be able to embody it in the world. Um, and so, you know, Capricorn is all about vessels and containers and boundaries and borders. So this is kind of our last dance with this planet in this sign. And whatever information, whatever lessons it represents, even as difficult and painful as they have been for us as an individual or a country or a species, it has been vitally important and precious information for us. So this might be a last multi-month review of what's been going on for you since about 2008, because that's when Pluto initially entered Capricorn. So that's a big old time period. I'm sure a variety of things have happened to you and our societies and our species. Um, but just, you know, consider that, consider that. Okay, what else is going on today? As previously mentioned, Mercury in Taurus is trining Pluto in 29 degrees. What's Mercury doing? Gathering information, gathering the data, pulling in the knowledge. And it's thinking about it. It's talking to people about it. It's recording it. It's assessing it. It's taking it in and dispensing it. So right there, boom, awesome. What a cool helper to have uh, in that process of what all have we done and what all have we learned about our travel time with Pluto through Capricorn. And Mercury's like, yep, let's sit down and think about it. Great day for journaling. Great day for journaling. Um, and just doing some free writing about what has been happening in your life since 2008. What kind of changes have you been through? What kind of uh, things have you experienced in society and all of that stuff? Because eventually we're heading off into Aquarius and we're going to be, well, we'll deal with that then. What else is happening on this day? Mercury is entering Gemini, the sign that it rules, one of two signs that it rules. Um, and so Mercury is very happy to be in this sign, functions very efficiently in this sign, is absolutely the master of gathering data, gathering information, and thinking about stuff talking about stuff. We might all be a little more chatty. We might all be a little more communicative. We might all be a little bit more transparent about what our thought process is, our sources of information, all of that good stuff. Um, anytime we have a real good spicy uh, Mercury transit, I'm also going to encourage you to assess your social media usage. Uh, your social media certainly falls under the auspices of both Mercury and Gemini. Um, so assess your social media usage? Do you need to do some editing there? Uh, do you need to edit your social media face or presence? All of that stuff, very appropriate at this time. Okay. And then we have Venus in Leo, square Jupiter in Taurus at five degrees. Generally speaking, Venus plus Jupiter is dope, sweet, fat, excellent, rad, killer, uh, fantastic, righteous, lit, uh, as the kids say, uh, they still say that. I don't know. Um, epic deck. Uh, and, um, but this is a square. Oh no, no, not. Oh no. There's just a few things to watch out, watch out for. But even here, this is a really wonderful, uh, connection between these guys. Um, 
words like grandeur, words like opulence immediately come to mind, especially with Venus being in Leo, especially with Jupiter being in Taurus. Uh, Leo and Taurus both are fixed signs. So both planets are inclined to establish and maintain opulence and grandeur. Okay, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Um, this is a great day for enjoying the five senses, eating good food, wearing cute clothes, smelling wonderful, sitting on a comfortable couch. Um, go see art, go enjoy some music, go out and be in the world and revel in the beauty of the natural world. All very, very appropriate here. The only thing to watch out for with uh, Venus and Jupiter hanging out with each other, especially when we have a square, is a tendency to overdo it. And you know what overdoing it means for you. You know what your finances are. You know what your situation is, right? Um, and so this is a day of enjoying plenty, but trying to pull back before we hit too much. That's it. That's it. That's literally it. This day might be a great day for you to like get some stuff done or ask for something that you need from the universe that you um, want as well as need. Um, it might also be a day of just relaxing and feeling the stress pull back a little bit and just feeling like, you know what, it's going to be okay. I don't need to freak out about this. It'll all work itself out. So cool. Lovely. We've had some pretty stressful times on earth recently. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but there's been some whack shit going on. Um, and so this might be a day where even if the fires have not been completely put out, you're like, we can let it burn for a second. It's cool. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, and you know, a little disassociation for a treat perhaps when Venus and Jupiter are hanging out. <laughs> And then later in the day, the moon is going to enter into Aries and we are still in a waning moon. So we're not necessarily trying to make any forward progress with that moon in Aries. Um, but we do want to think about our direction, right? We're under the auspices of an adjustment moon, as, as we said for, for June 10th with our waning half moon. So Aries is all about where am I going next? And yet... It's kind of a like, where have I been? And let me make some adjustments about what I'm thinking about where I'm going next, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So our holy day for June 11th, we literally have one. This is kind of an interesting moment in the, in the calendar because we have days where there's this year anyways, no holy days. And then we have days where everything is piled up. And that's because we see this throughout the wheel of the year the days leading up to a big solstice or a big, uh, excuse me, the days leading up to a big Sabbath tend to be kind of quiet because we're either already in the trenches of a multi-day or multi-week festival or everybody's saving it up until we hit the Sabbath. So, you know, kind of a like, why would I do it the day before when I could do it the day of vibes? But we do have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Bellatrix. Uh, so what is a heliacal rising? Because uh, we haven't talked about that for a second. A heliacal rising of a fixed star is that the star appears to rise with the sun in the morning. In fact, it will rise just before the sun. And so you'll see if you're look here in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're looking at the Eastern horizon, you'll see the star come up first 
and then sort of be suffused in the glow of the approaching sunrise. And then the sunrise happens. And these are auspicious days of the year. Heliacal risings of fixed stars have been utilized to establish calendars for thousands and thousands of years because the stars, in comparison to the rest of the stars in a constellation, in comparison to our planets, etc., etc., quote unquote, don't move. They do move because everything in space moves, but they move very, very slowly compared to everything else in the sky. And so they are thought of as being fixed. Um, and so that that's what a heliacal rising is. And that's why fixed stars are kind of a big deal. They have been used as time markers going back a long way, a very, very long way, <laughs> like a very long way. Okay. So today or June 11th, we're talking about Bellatrix. Um, and this is a fixed star that is found in the shoulder of the hunter, AKA Orion. Uh, Bellatrix is a Latin word for female warrior. This star was also called the Amazon star, which comes from the Arabic name Al-Najid, which means the conqueror. An even older Arabic name uh, means the lion. And I, I don't know how to pronounce that older name. Sorry. Um, but Bellatrix um, speaks to an idea of fighting on behalf of the downtrodden, fighting for honor, fighting for nobility, uh, not on, on not on behalf of nobility, but fighting for your own nobility in a sense. Um, but then also Amazons, right? Certainly an energy and an archetype to pull up and work with, uh, given everything that's happening on the planet right now with the attack on reproductive rights and a person's right to choose whether they want to be pregnant or not with the attack on trans people, um, trans men and trans women, the attack on non-binary people, the attack on the LGBTQIA two spirit plus communities. Um, uh, this is a fantastic archetype to work with. Very excited to see them, right? Let's pull in Orion. Let's pull in the Amazons and let's kick some ass. It's basically kind of how I'm feeling about this. And that is our holy day for June 11th. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all we got going on. So we're going to scooch directly to Monday, June 12th, where we find that we have no astrology of note. Okay, cool. Awesome. Great. Uh, as an aside, actually, I'm going to bounce back for just one second and point out, as I already mentioned, moon entering Aries. Aries is very in alignment with warrior energy. So having our moon move into Aries on the day that we are also having a heliacal rising for the fixed star Bellatrix, very timely. Okay, that's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> um, so again, moving into June 12th, no astrology of note on this day, folks that are following uh, various, um, what was I trying to say there? Various, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyways, there probably is something happening in the sky, but we're not talking about it. We're just talking about the big stuff. So let's move directly on to our holy days of June 12th. We have to kick it off some more heliacal risings. We have the heliacal risings of the fixed stars, Capella and Fact. So let's talk about those guys for just a second. Uh, Capella, 
is a star that is found in the constellation of the charioteer. Now, that is a very interesting thing, which I'll get into in just a second. The traditional name Capella is derived from the diminutive of the Latin word capra, like Capricorn, yes, which means female goat, thus small female goat or little goat on the shoulder of the charioteer. Now, the charioteer is thought to be a type of warrior. This certainly could kind of connect to some of the same imagery that we're thinking about when we're thinking of Orion. So a hunter of some sort, an Amazon of some type, yes. Um, but also, as we approach summer solstice, for those of us practicing tropical astrology, that is also indicating the day that the sun moves into cancer. And the sign cancer is connected to the chariot card in tarot. Dun, dun, dun! As we say on the podcast, say it with me, everyone. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. <laughs> and also, and also, Cancer is the sign that is directly across the zodiac opposite from Capricorn. And the tension between Cancer and Capricorn is a tension that talks about the, the, the argument or the um, opposition or the pull between being dedicated to your family and like taking care of your people and taking care of your community in the, in the insular sense and uh, taking care of your community in the large sense and being a, an empire builder and going out into the world and building a legacy and building a reputation and achieving things on behalf of the masses. Um, so that stuff. Capella is one of the 15 Bahenian fixed stars. We don't have time, but go check it out if you want to. Um, Bahenian fixed stars are a really big deal in uh, astrology systems as well as magical systems. Um, so th there's, there's some fancy stuff going on with hanging out with this star. Capella is also referred to as the glorious crown. And it was said to be uh, the horn of the goat that nurtured the infant Jove, a.k.a. Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus. The horn was broken off in play by Jove and transferred to the heavens as the cornucopia, the horn of plenty. Capella was also the patron star of Babylon and was known in Assyria as Iku, the leader. Um, so there's something here, right? It's That's very interesting to me. Um, as we are going to find out, once we pass through the gate of uh, spring equinox into summer solstice, um, I guess it's really I should be saying passing through the gate of summer solstice into summer proper, um, we will also be approaching um, some New Year's markers for uh, um, for some ancient civilizations. And so at one time or another, this star would have marked the lead, the lead of the year, the beginning of the year, that kind of stuff. Okay, that's enough about that fixed star. Let's move on to the next one, which is FACT, P-H-A-C-T. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the fixed star FACT is found in the constellation of the Dove, Columba. Um, 
this word comes from an Arabic word, fakita, which means ring dove. And I have a feeling that there is more going on with this than just the dove. Um, but I'll be frank, I don't know what it is. It's just something in my my gut is telling me about this. Um, now, there are groups that will refer to this dove as Noah's dove, um, as in the dove that was sent out to go search for land when Noah was floating on the high seas and doing his little pirate gig. Um, but certainly plenty of groups do not see it that way too. So, um, you know, if you know something about this that connects with the other things that we're working on at this time of year, send me a note. I would love to know what it is. Um, I might even have something in my notes from previous years and I just couldn't find it this year because that's, that's real. Um, okay. That's our heliacal risings of fixed stars. What else is happening on ye old holy day of June 22nd. We have in the United States Loving Day. This is the day that uh, commemorates basically the end of the illegalization of mixed race marriages. What? Why was that even a thing? Why was that even a thing? Um, so cute that a dove is flying overhead. Lovely. Okay. Uh, from our Buddhist friends and ancestors, we have the end of Sakadawa. This is for some Buddhist groups, a month long celebration of the birth and life of Buddha. Um, and so that we are coming to the end of that. And from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis for the Temple of Fours, Fortuna. This was an aspect of the goddess of fortune or Fortuna uh, that was very dedicated to the people, um, but also very dedicated to fortune upcoming, fortune in the future, um, fortune that is headed our way. That's what's up for June 12th. Okay, let's move on to June 13th. Okie dokie, artichoke Tuesday, June 13th. Uh, for our astrology on this day, our moon is entering Taurus. Cute. Uh, again, don't forget, uh, we are still in a waning moon cycle, right? So whatever Taurus moon energy we're doing, it's more about shutting down than it is about opening up. It's about ending, adjusting, um, finishing off all of that stuff. Okay. Uh, so let's scooch directly to the holy days for this day. We have a lot, um, starting off with some he more helical risings. We have a ton of fixed stars rising at this time. And again, considering that our fixed stars have been utilized as timekeepers and place markers in the calendar year for millennia. Very, very interesting to me, um, you know, that they're lining up with summer solstice and uh, lots of the other stuff that we're doing at this time of year. So just cool. So kicking it off with uh, the heliacal star El Nath. Um, oops, hang on, hang on. Kicking it off with the fixed star Mintaka. I lied. Uh, Mintaka is another star that is found in the constellation Orion. It is actually one of the three stars in the belt of Orion. Again, this name comes from an Arabic word, Mantaka, which means the belt. And um, this is for those of us here in the Northern Hemisphere, when we're facing south and we're looking at the constellation, Mintaka is the star on the west or the right side of Orion's belt. Um, 
there's all three of these stars. Um, and we're let's talk about them right now. Mintaka, Al Nitak, and Al Nilam. Those other ones we're going to get to later. Um, the whole of Orion's belt is thought to give strength, energy, uh, industrious energy, um, an organizational quality, good fortune, happiness, good memory, sharp mind. Um, so cool that we have our Mercury stuff happening this month in alignment with this. That's not always going to happen every year. Um, but also kind of for whatever reason is connecting me to some of that stuff that we said about the Oak tree month. And that is going to happen more or less at the same time every year. So that's kind of cool. Um, in general, these three stars really do speak to the idea of protection and power and utilizing the protection and power, um, for your own benefit, but but for the benefit of all, really, is sort of what's going on with this. Um, okay, so let's now talk about those other two fixed stars that we have. Also on this day, we have the heliacal rising of El-Nath and Ensis. El-Nath is found in the northern horn of the bull, the Taurus constellation. Yeah, we are still traveling through some of the stars of Taurus. What? Yes. Um, the traditional name El-Nath comes from the Arabic word Anath, which means the butting. So like a budding bull. Um, and the energy of this star, the, the connection from this star is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, Taurus was thought of as the kickoff to the year at one point, it, uh, that constellation was in alignment with the spring equinox. Um, and so, uh, Taurus is thought of as one of the four great pillars of the sky. The, the fixed constellations are all connected to those ideas, etc., etc. Um, but again, this is a star that indicates power. It industrates, uh, it, it indicates combat, fortune, eminence. Um, but also there can be a combative destructive kind of vibe to that too. And so it's really about how we wield the, the power that's being given to us. How do we wield our capacity to be butting? Again, remember, we just also had a star that connected to a horn of a type. Um, and this star is also connecting us to a horn of a type. And so we can just work with that symbolism on our own of horns being something that can, that we can fight with, or we can defend with, and also a horn being a symbol of plenty, of abundance, of production, of good fortune um, presenting itself. So however it is that we want to work with that energy, we have uh, free will there. And then coming around to that last fixed star of the day, uh, we have Ensis, which is the sword sheath of Orion. So we're coming back to Orion, the hunter, the Amazon once again. Um, and this too is a sword that represents or a star that represents uh, power and the stuff that can come from power, whether it's destructive or protective. It really depends on how we choose to wield it. Um, and 
And and I think that's all I want to say. Is there anything else? I'm I'm a lot of my information I'm getting from the website Astrology King and their information that they have on fixed stars. Not everything here is from there, but a lot of it is. Um and the one thing I want to say is he says this, Ensisk is a combative nature with the tongue, uh, sometimes manually too, which can indeed lead to misfortune, although the victim may well be convinced that it's all for the cause and that the reward in heaven will con con compensate for the suffering here below. And that to me indicates, you know, the potential for fucked up behavior on some people's parts of thinking, I don't care if you all think that I'm a bad person for what I'm doing. God will reward me for what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, personally, disrespectfully, that's a lot of hubris. That's a big old assumption to make on your part. It's a big assumption to make on your part. Um, stop screwing thing up. Stop screwing stuff up for everybody and just be a nice person. How about that? Like, <laughs> let's, let's just have that instead. Okay. Moving on to the rest of the, uh, Holy days for Tuesday, June 13th. We have from our Yoruba friends and ancestors. We have the running from approximately June 13th to June 26th, the Okudu Women's Rites of Passage Festival. This is a huge festival that is in alignment with the New Year festivities and the other Ifa festivities that are happening for our Yoruba friends and ancestors and family and community members. Um, and this is just an entire week of um, women's centric rites of passage, whether that is. Um, young girls coming into early adulthood, or that's adults coming into young adults coming into a full adulthood and an age where they might choose to start families or older women, full on adult women, like stepping into their crone years, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of different festivities that take place. Yoruba is just an incredible, uh, religious system, spiritual practice, cultural reservoir of incredible ideas and traditions and crafts and practices. And do not listen to me, a white pagan, go find your local Ifas, your local Babaloa, your local Yoruba community. If you want to learn more about these folks, because it is just so rich. And as we talked about last week or the week before with the Yoruba new year, their calendar goes back 10,000 years. Casual, right? Yeah. What? Huh? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they've been doing this for a while. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that. <laughs> they've been doing this for a minute. They may have some things to contribute to your spiritual practice. They may have some stuff going on. <laughs> Go give those people a follow. Go give those people, uh, uh, you know, some support. Okay, moving on to uh, our Catholic friends and ancestors. We have the Feast of Anthony of Padua. Uh, good old Anthony of Padua. Um, Franciscan monk. You know, he was a hermit. Cute stuff. Not going to get too hardcore into his gig, but he is very important in some places. And, um, uh, stuff that, uh, Anthony of Padua oversees lots and lots of stuff, but things like travelers, Hey, that connects us to Gemini. That's interesting. Pregnancy. Hey, that connects us to cancer. What? 
<laughs> um, sailors, fishermen, and, and mariners. That also connects us to Gemini and Cancer. Huh. Wild. Crazy. Who saw that coming? All of, all of the people back in the day. That's why this is a saint being worshipped at this time of year. And as I always say, behind every saint is a pagan god or goddess. So who knows who was actually here previously. Um, but yeah, we've got a feast day dedicated to that homie on, on uh, June 13th. Also on this day from our Celtic and Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Epona. Epona is a goddess connected to horses, ponies, donkeys, mules. Uh, she was particularly a goddess of fertility. Um, she is shown by her attributes of a patera, which is uh, a type of serving dish, basically a shallow bowl, a libations bowl. Um, but she's also shown with a cornucopia. What? <laughs> Horses? Doesn't that connect us to Gemini too? What? 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 I'm sure it's just a coincidence. <laughs> okay. Um, so she and her horses might have been leaders of the soul in the afterlife, um, which brings her into parallel with Rhiannon. Um, the worship of Epona, the sole Celtic divinity, ultimately worshipped in Rome itself. Patroness of cavalry was widespread in the Roman Empire. Um, this is unusual for a Celtic deity, uh, most of whom were associated with very specific locations. Uh, Epona means the great mare, the, the horse upon which we all ride, the horse upon which the gods ride. Um, Etc., etc. Very cool uh goddess, very interesting stuff. Her her definitions branch out in a lot of really interesting directions. I highly recommend um doing some research on this deity to get more visuals and more symbolism for what all we could be doing and talking about in Gemini season and Cancer season. Um, slash, I do talk about this connection between Gemini and horses, this goddess and lots of lots of other twin gods and goddesses in a piece called Gemini the Divine Twins that you can find in the Beltane section on my website. Um, so you'd be like, what are you talking about with horses and Gemini? What is this? Go check it out, dog. It's right there on ye old website. Um, but we have a day dedicated to her now. From our Tibetan friends and ancestors, we have All Souls Day. This is coming after that month-long celebration of Buddha and uh, their birthday and their life. Um, and this is a day dedicated to saying thanks and giving appeasements and blessings to the dead. And that can be the holy dead, uh, great leaders who have passed, as well as family members, community members, etc. So this would be a day where folks go and clean up tombs, um, light incense, leave prayers, leave offerings um, for our, our, our loving dead who have passed on. And last but not least, from our friends and ancestors in Ireland, uh, we have Holy Wells Day. And this is exactly what it sounds like. This is an acknowledgement that basically all of the wells and springs in Ireland, Wales, and Scotland were, and many still are, in fact, holy sites, um, and that they were representations of 
everything magical that we connect with water and every single goddess archetype that is connected with water. Are we about to step into cancer season, the season of water and the great ocean? Oh, uh, yeah, we are. Wow, weird, cool. <laughs> Have we been in a season of opening waterways and blessing waterways uh, to, to start off the year? Yeah, we have, huh? Crazy. Okay, cool. Um, and so folks engage in all kinds of stuff as a way of observing the Holy Wells Day. There can be prayers, there can be little offerings left, little tokens and trinkets that are biodegradable left near wells. But oftentimes people just go out and clean up the areas around wells um, and do any repair that needs to be done um, because Holy Wells not only a representation of the goddess, a representation of all the things that we connect spiritually and magically to the idea of water and water sources, but also uh, their community resources, right? Our holy wells and our springs are oftentimes uh, the, the inland resources for watering our crops, so yeah, we we want to keep them on our good side. We want to keep that water flowing. We want to make sure that everything is in good repair and has, is healthy and taken care of and that the community is all aware and feeling responsibility towards that resource. Um, yeah, so that's what's up. Again, you know, here at Belting Season, we are doing the work that we have to do to prepare ourselves for whatever the work is that we're going to be doing in summer. And a lot of the work that we're doing in summer is caring for our crops, whether we're literally planting stuff or we are figuratively planting stuff in our lives. Um, summer is the season of growing that and bringing it to some type of fruition. And so in spring, we're doing everything we can to set ourselves and our people and our communities up for success. So here we are blessing our holy wells and our holy waterways, our holy springs, um, and saying thank you for this magical resource that you are providing us. Let's take a moment to meditate on the spirituality of water and the deities and the archetypes that are connected with water and water sources. And also, from a very practical sense, let's be thankful for water. This is a great day for celebrating water protectors anywhere around the world in my opinion, um, acknowledging the work and the sacrifices that they are making uh, and supporting those people in whatever way we can, whether that is sending a letter to an elected official, whether that is joining a protest, whether that's sending some money to a bail fund for uh, water protectors who have been arrested and, and um, you know, incorrectly arrested and, and persecuted for protecting water. Hello kind of a, like pretty necessary resource for life here on earth. I think kind of for everybody, all the humans, all the plants and all the bugs and all the animals sort of rely on there being clean water around. So, you know, <laughs> it's a little wild that we would be persecuting people for protecting that. Okay. I can't get into it. There was the leftist rant. You'll know there'd be more. Okay. Let's move on Two, Wednesday, June 14th, uh, Wednesday, June 14th, 2.12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet, we have our balsamic moon in Taurus at 8 degrees. This moon will be conjunct Jupiter in Taurus at 6 degrees, widely conjunct the north node at 1 degree of Taurus, north node just about to leave Taurus, 
this moon is also square Venus in Leo at eight degrees and sextile Saturn in Pisces at seven degrees. Um, it's probably aspecting or aspected by other stuff at wider degrees. But as I've talked about the last few weeks, I'm not looking at every single thing that, that it could be touching in the sky, in the chart, just, just the spicy stuff. Um, so what are we getting with all of that? Well, first let's dial in on the whole balsamic moon gig with our balsamic moon. This is our last lunar phase of every lunar cycle. We'll get one of these every month, basically. And, um, as I've talked about before, I love that it's called balsamic. Um, it connects directly to vinegar. And what is vinegar? Vinegar is the end result of a lot of different steps, a lot of different processes, right? We had to plant a plant. We had to, we had to go get seeds. First off, we had to plant the seeds, foster the plant, trim it, prune it, cultivate it, encourage it to ultimately be a plant strong enough to produce fruit. Then it produces fruit. Then we protect that fruit while it ripens. Uh, we pick the fruit, we eat it. Some of it, we don't. Um, and now then, then we have an adjustment period about thinking what worked, what didn't, what do I want to change for this next thing? And so the balsamic moon is sort of the culminating point of that entire process where we take a moment to review and consider what did we learn? What have we earned in this last lunar cycle and in the cycle in general? This is our last balsamic moon of Beltane season. This is our last balsamic moon of spring. So this is an extra potent moon, in my opinion, for really taking time to consider what all have we accomplished in the last six or seven weeks and what all have we accomplished in the last three months? Again, we're about to step through the doorway over the threshold into summer and shift our energy, shift our form into the work that we're going to be doing then. So this is a really potent moment for appraisal, consideration, review. And the balsamic moon tends to pull us towards the future. We might not want to dwell on that work for very long. Like, yeah, 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 stuff happened. Let's get on with it. <laughs> but pause yourself if you can and, and sit in it. I think the fact that it's a balsamic moon in Taurus might assist with that. Um, it's conjunct Jupiter. How expansive can we be? How optimistic can we be as we review what worked, what didn't? what took off, what st stagnated, uh, what happened that we didn't expect to happen, what didn't happen that we were hoping would happen, right? All of that. Jupiter's like, how positive can I be about that? How optimistic, how expansive can I be in my appraisal of that stuff? Um, conjunct the North Node. The North Node is also saying, like, how is this connecting to my destiny? How is this connecting to the direction that I'm headed in? How is this connecting to my drives and my desires? What work have I done around my drives and my desires and my motivations for what it is that I'm trying to accomplish this year? Is there stuff that still needs some healing there? Is there stuff that needs embracing there? Um, this is this moon is square Venus in Leo. So there's something here about our values. Again, there's something here about our desires and our drive, and our, our desire, excuse me, and our wants, right? And our motivations around that stuff. 
um, you know, what's coming up there where it's like, I just wanted to keep things cute or I just want what I want, or I just want things that taste good and feel nice. I don't want to deal with the difficult parts of the world. Um, and then that sextile from Saturn in Pisces is like collectively, and you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to be saying it for the next couple of years while Saturn is in Pisces. How has this work collectively, whether it was me pulling things in, me letting things go, me examining my stuff, um, how has all of that contributed to me building the container that could potentially hold the fantasy, that could hold the utopic vision that I have for the future, for me, for my communities, for people at large? Um, any of our aspects to Saturn are all touching back on that work of how is this contributing to me building a container that could hold the fantasy. So this balsamic moon is a really potent moment to review all of that cool stuff, important stuff, before we step into the commitment of Litha and Summer. Okay. Um, with the, the moon in Taurus, this balsamic moon in Taurus, there also is a little bit of a conversation here around thinking about ancestors and that can be your biological ancestors. That can be your community ancestors. Anybody that you think of as having made sacrifices in their life to make it possible for you to be who and what you are now, let that be in the mix around this conversation because this moment that you're having right now of what worked what didn't what are my motives how am i dealing with my stuff before i go forward and build these are moments that have happened for people for millennia tens thousands of millennia um our ancestors wrangled with these conversations too we wrangle with them now people in the future will be looking back at us and saying, what, how did they do this? How did they make these decisions? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? So in this moment, we're also in a kind of timeless time of really connecting to the past and connecting to the future in that as well. No pressure. <laughs> With our waning balsamic moon in Taurus for our lunar body work, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the ears, the mouth, the teeth, the throat, the neck, and the shoulders. These are all the parts of the body connected to Taurus. Um, and same, same with the metaphor. What are you listening to? What are you talking about? What are you swallowing? It is Pride Month. I'm not going to get into it, but <laughs> go get your monkeypox shots. That's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but what are you shouldering here? And I think that's an, a very appropriate metaphor when we think about all that work that I just talked about a few minutes ago. What are we shouldering here? What are we carrying here? For our plant body work, we are planting for hardiness. So plants that we intend to utilize either as food or magically um, or as a supply of some kind that need to be strong, that need to be hardy. We're planting our roots, we're planting leafy crops, we're grafting, we're budding, we're taking cuttings, we're fertilizing, cultivating, cutting trees for lumber and firewood, pruning trees, doing pest and disease control, we're planting trees, perennials, biennials, we're doing plowing, we're doing whatever harvesting for below ground crops that we're going to eat dry or store. Um, and 
I'm sure plenty of you live in the city that are listening to this or live in a place where it's not possible to grow a giant acre or more of vegetables and fruits and whatnot. All of this stuff applies on the micro level too. If you have three plants that are hanging out on a shelf in your kitchen, if you have a tiny little collection of plants in a windowsill in your apartment, same, same, all this stuff still applies. Do a little research on what is going to feed the soil for your plants. Do a little research on what would promote hardiness for those plants. It's all the same. Let those plants be the metaphor for this work. Okay. That is our astrology for uh, June 14th, or that's the moon for June 14th. We have no astrology of note uh, for June 14th. So digging directly into our holy days, we have, oh my God, yet another fixed star rising. What the heck? <laughs> my goodness, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> and this fixed star is Al-Nilam. And we find this fixed star also in the belt of the hunter, a.k.a. Orion. Uh, this word or this name derives from the Arabic word an-nizam, related to the word nazm, which means a string of pearls. And this is, don't get me started with that pride reference, okay, stop. But this is, uh, again, speaking to the double-edged, as it were, symbolism that we're seeing as we're passing through these stars in Orion of power. And is this power that we are utilizing to benefit people? Or is this power that we are utilizing to do weird, weird stuff to people? Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically it. It's, it's tapping back into that information and that symbolism that we're already working with through this whole a week with our fixed stars that are connected to Orion. Uh, energy, industry, organizing abilities, notoriety, good fortune, all that stuff, as we said before. Okay. Um, whomst else? What else do we have going on? And now a brief word from our sponsor. That's me. Uh, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you to all my patrons who help me pay rent every month. <laughs> you can leave a review on your podcast service, uh, wherever it is that you listen to this. And if you are feeling especially hedonistic, you can give it a rating, uh, you know, Five stars is actually the, the most occult rating that you could possibly give. Um, also, I have mentioned this for the last several weeks, but I swear to God, this is really happening. Um, I will be announcing some workshops and some standalone classes in the new year, uh, both on tarot as well as paganism and witchcraft. These classes will be limited entry. Uh, my patrons will have first access to sign up and then folks following the newsletter, and then I will announce them publicly on social media and my website. Um, I will be rerunning the six-week Welcome to Tarot workshop. It was super fun. I'm very excited to teach it again. It is um, a dope workshop, if I do say so myself. Uh, and then I will be following up that workshop with four standalone single day workshops. I'm expecting them to be two hours a piece, probably maybe closer to three hours a piece. Um, and we will be talking about material that certainly is going to build off of what is in the workshop, but you won't have to take the workshop to be able to understand what's going on in the four standalone classes. And then I will also be offering 
some more in-depth stuff than what I already have offered in terms of witchcraft and paganism, but I don't want to say any more now. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the ad. Leave a rating, goddammit. Thanks. From our Hindu friends and ancestors running from June 14th to 16th, I think, this year, uh, we have Raja Puja. Uh, this is a three-day festival. Each of the three days has its own name. Um, the first day is Pahili Raja, the second day is Mathuna Sankranti, and the third day is Budaiha or Basi Raja. Um, the fourth day, technically there is a fourth day, <laughs> is Basumari Ratsana, San, Sana, excuse me. Um, so what is this? Uh, this is a three-day festival dedicated to uh, celebrating womanhood. Um, and it also is celebrating the start of the rainy season. Um, from the wiki page, it's believed that the mother goddess Earth or the divine wife of Lord Vishnu undergoes menstruation during those first three days. And as women go through menstruation, so does the world. Um, and so this is literally witnessing the, the kickoff of the rainy season as menstruation season for the planet. Um, and basically the, there's no farming allowed. There's no working of the soil allowed for this moment. People rest, they party, they eat good food, they have a good time. Um, and, uh, in particular women and friends take a few days off and are like, screw you. <laughs> we'll get back to you later. Um, but it's also just to give the land a moment to rest and a moment to prepare for, the rains that are coming and are going to saturate the ground, which is ultimately going to lead to the agricultural season, etc. Um, unmarried girls, potential mothers, all of that stuff. There's festival elements for those folks. Um, and there are lots of purification baths, lots of swinging on swings, which I can't find what the symbolism is of that, but I think it's, I think it's cool. And I'm like, Hmm, that's, what is that? What's that about? That's really interesting. So that's all happening for our Hindu friends and ancestors. Um, for our Norse friends and ancestors, we have, uh, Vidar's day or the day of Vidar. Vidar, uh, is, um, or Vitar is a God among the, amongst the Aesir associated with vengeance. Um, and so, you know, if you're dealing with that, if you're, if you're in the market for that, <laughs> this could be a good day to leave an offering out for this easier or, uh, leave a petition out for this easier. Um, uh, you know, if somebody needs a little vengeance laid upon them and you want to get involved in that kind of work you know, as witches, sometimes we are doing the wet work out there. <laughs> this could be a good day to stir up that energy. Uh, from our modern pagan wheel of the year calendars, we have the birthday of the muses and the muses is a concept that is far bigger than we have time to cover here in, uh, this week's podcast. But in general, um, these are entities slash ideas slash archetypes from ancient Greece, um, and they were thought to be the inspirational goddesses and almost really the personification of 
literature, science, and the arts, poetry, songs, myths, um, and the, 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 the creation and the inspiration behind those things and, and those movements in uh, humanity. Pretty cool stuff. Um, I love having this here in Gemini season, even though we are approaching the end of Gemini season, because, you know, we're calling in the information, right? We're calling in, in a sense, the the inspiration there as well. Um, and so who do we have? We've got Calliope, who is epic poetry, Cleo, history, Euterpe, flutes and music, Thalia, uh, comedy and pastoral poetry, Melpomene, uh, tragedy, Terpsichore, dance, Erato, love poetry and lyric poetry, Polyhymnia, hymns and sacred poetry, and Urania, astronomy. So that's who is uh, being honored today on our modern uh, pagan Wheel of the Year calendars. And then from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the kickoff of a festival called, ultimately, Erephoria. Erephoria was a feast amongst Athenians, specifically, uh, to honor Athena. Um, the word derives from a Greek term, which means mystery and I carry. This uh, feast was also called Hersephoria from Herse, the daughter of Cecrops, whose account, whose, upon whose account it was established. And basically what this breaks down to is two separate days. Uh, one is Calenteria and tomorrow, and the next day, tomorrow, quote unquote, uh, Plienteria. And um, uh, the two rituals were connected to Erephoria in a way that they were both rituals prepared for Erephoria. Calenteria is where Athenians cleansed the shrine of Athena making sure that the eternal flame of Athena was relit. And then the next day, Plienteria involved taking the robes and the jewelries from the cult statue of Athena, where they were cleansed uh, and then taken to the ocean, taken to the coast, where they would be rinsed in salt water and then returned back to the statue after they were cleaned. So this is a big old let's attend to Athena kind of day. Athena, if you're not familiar, ancient Greek goddess of wisdom, warfare, handicrafts. So right in alignment with our Amazonian symbolism of passing through the belt of the warrior. Hello. <laughs> and we literally have a holiday dedicated to taking care of the jewelry and the clothing of the statue representing. Okay. I, it's, you know, I mean, I'm spoon feeding it to you guys at this point. All right. <laughs> Dial it in people. It's very clear here. Okay. But also she's connected to the goddess Minerva and we just had a holiday celebrating Minerva last week. So there you go. Okay. Um, also on this day, we have from our Bhutan Buddhist friends and ancestors, Peri Nirvana Day. And this is a day celebrating uh, the enlightenment of Buddha, basically. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, but also the death of Buddha, the death of his physical body and the ascension of his, you know, essence, as it were. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to... Thursday, June 15th. And what do we have going on with June 13th, good old Thursday? Well, in our astrology, we have 
Mercury in Gemini, square Saturn in Pisces at seven degrees. Let's just take a second with this because later in the day, the moon is going to enter Gemini. So it will be under the rulership of Mercury while Mercury is having this square with Saturn. What's up with a Mercury square to Saturn? Not fun, generally. <laughs> not, not the most exciting and not the coolest uh, transit. It's not the worst. Um, but this could be a day where you are experiencing some pretty intense mental and emotional conflicts. And the mental, I think, is probably pretty clear from Mercury being in Gemini. But the moon getting involved in stuff, the fact that Saturn is in Pisces, those elements are bringing in the emotional aspect of this, of this part, of this piece. Um, we might be feeling blocked. Uh, we might be feeling a little worn down. When we are having a square that involves Saturn, we can feel exhausted. We can feel very low energy. We can feel like we, even if the body is willing, the spirit is weak. <laughs> and so even if we've gotten enough sleep and we've eaten our Wheaties and everything else is going well, we just don't care. <laughs> we just are kind of, you know, running on fumes uh, emotionally or psychologically. And so this could just be a day of, you know, come button up against authority um, you know, general bullshit, basically, <laughs> it might be a day where we are asked to make some changes. Um, and, you know, when we're thinking about that long-term picture of Saturn and Pisces, this might be a day where we receive some information that is forcing or heavily encouraging us to make adjustments that we don't want to make to the fantasy, to the, to the project of manifesting the fantasy, manifesting the dreamy vision. Um, this might be a day where we get some bad news, where we get frustrating news, where we get disappointing news. Um, and you know what? It's going to happen. A little into every life, a little rain will fall. Although up here in the Pacific Northwest, we're always happy about our rain. But I hear somewhere in the world, people don't like rain. So whatever to that. Uh, but... This could be a day where we get some difficult information. Um, with Mercury in Gemini, there might be weird stuff going down with neighbors. There might be weird stuff going down in your friend group. I want you to remember uh, that Mercury moves quickly. So this aspect is not going to last for very long. 24-ish hours. Um, it might leave some traces for a second because the moon is in Gemini. And so the moon's going to be in Gemini for a couple of days. So it might have some aftertaste <laughs> of this leftover. Um, but in general, my encouragement is, you know, if something needs to get said and you're the person to say it, gird your loins and, and get in there and get the work done. But you know, don't take anything too hardcore to heart in terms of like an argument with a neighbor or an argument with a friend. If it doesn't have to be said, consider if you can just let something slide and go deal with yourself, that sort of thing. I don't know what your circumstances are, so I don't know exactly how this is going to hit for you in your personal life. Um, but could be a day where there's some funky business in the air, funky conversations with friends, with neighbors, or just in general receiving some not so great news, but it will pass. It will pass. 
Okay. Uh, then our moon enters Gemini and we're going to want to talk about it. We're going to want to think about it. And so that's what's up. So now let's take a look at our holy days for June 15th. We kick off with yet another heliacal rising. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's like a hundred this week. And this is the heliacal rising of the fixed star Al Heka, uh, which is found also in Taurus, another Taurus star. Yes, we are still dealing with the last little bits of Taurus. Um, and this star is found uh, in the southern horn, right? Beginning of the week, northern horn. Now we're in the southern horn. Um, Alheka is obscure, but it closely resembles the Arabic Alhaka, which means the white spot, which would mean the, the dot, the white spot of light on the tip of the horn. But what I think is really interesting here is that in ancient, well, I'll say this first. In ancient Babylon, it was called Shernarkabti Shashutu, the southern star bull horn. We know that going back to the Babylonians and Chaldeans, we were still working with the same astrological symbols. But in China, this star is called Tian Quan, which means the celestial gate. And that to me is very interesting because we are preparing to walk through the gate of summer solstice into summer. And, uh, and I just think that that's very interesting timing that we have this here. Something that we are going to talk about more in the Litha class is that these stars in this portion of the sky that run somewhere between the very end of Taurus, somewhere in Gemini, the beginning, the very, very beginning of Cancer, this chunk of the sky is referred to as the gate of man. And it was thought of as a place where souls came in from heaven or out there, the other worlds to be manifested here on earth. Again, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the upcoming Litha class, but hmm, interesting. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> but here we are, right? Okay. Um, you know, again, we're connecting into that idea of what is the benefit or what is the power that is coming out of the horn here. But again, for the Chinese, this was Tian Quan or Guan, the heavenly gate, um, the, the celestial gate of some type. So there's a, a crossover here, a threshold of some type. Um, and that I think is very interesting because also on this day, we have from our Roman friends and ancestors, the Dies Natalis for one of the temples to the Lares. And the Lares were these, uh, yeah, it's kind of difficult to describe exactly what they were. Hero ancestors, guardians, um, you know, something along those lines, but what did they, what did they protect? What did they do? Well, they were often depicted holding cornucopias, get out of here. And then they often were guardians of the hearth, the field, but boundaries, doorways, thresholds. Hello. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Again, I feel like I'm spoon feeding this to you. You got to catch up. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, get up here with me. <laughs> um, and the Larrys were huge. The, the Larrys were not as 
powerful necessarily as the great gods and goddesses of the Roman pantheons, but they were a really big deal in Roman society and Roman, you know, populace in general, because for the Romans, and we've said this a lot, but for the Romans, everything had a spirit. Everything had an, a, a spiritual aspect or an entity that dwelled within it. And so honoring those and acknowledging them was a really big deal. And every doorway, every threshold had this magical element and this living magical symbolism to it. You're like, I'm just going to the kitchen. And people are like, no, you're crossing the threshold into the hearth or the heart of the house. And you are dwelling within the heart of the house while you are doing the work in that room. And then when you leave that room, you're going to cross the threshold into this other part of the house. So the Lares oversaw that stuff. Um, so this is a day of sort of honoring that, you know, gates stuff. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm probably just, you know, making, making connections where there aren't any connections, I'm sure. All right. From our Shinto and Japanese friends and ancestors, we have Sunjin Matsuri. Suijin is a Shinto god of water. <laughs> really? Yes, water. In Japanese mythology, the term suijin literally means water people or water deity or water deities and refers to the heavenly and earthly manifestations of the benevolent Shinto divinity of water. It also refers to a wide variety of mythological and magical creatures found in lakes, ponds, springs, and wells. What? This includes, but is not limited to, serpents, snakes, dragons, eels, fish, turtle, turtles, and others. Um, etc., etc., etc. Um, so we, here we are at the, at the precipice of the air sign Gemini about to step into the water sign of cancer. We had our Irish moment of holy wells being honored at the beginning of our lunar week. And here we are coming to the end of our lunar week. And it's also happening in Shinto, Japan. Cute. Uh, what else does this water God do? Guardian of fishermen. Okay. Okay. Patron saint of fertility and motherhood. Okay. <laughs> um, and offering things, worship or, um, you know, prizes to Suijin uh, was believed to ensure pure and unpolluted water for drinking and agriculture and sanitation would bring success in fishing trips, fertility, motherhood, and easy childbirth, etc., etc., etc. Lots of really cool stuff on the wiki page about Suijin, S-U-I-J-I-N, if you want to check them out. Pretty cool stuff. It's all lining up, people. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's all lining up. Okay, what else do we have going on on this day? From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have a Dies Natalis for the Temple of Jupiter Stator. Uh, Jupiter has like literally over a hundred different names in Roman mythology because Jupiter was seen in so many different forms. We just had a Jupiter Sumamnus last week, right? The sender of nocturnal thunder. Um, Jupiter Stator... Uh, is comes from the word stare or to stand. 
he who has power of founding, instituting everything, thence also he also he was it was he who bestows the power of resistance, making people soldiers stand firm and fast. But I'm going to just pause here for this idea of to stand, because the word solstice is sun stand still, and we have a thing to to Jupiter standing. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you're here with me. I think you're here with me. Okay. What else do we have happening on this day from our Catholic friends and ancestors? We have St. Vladimir Day. Uh, Vladimir the Great was a uh, Slavic leader who was super duper pagan. Um, eventually was, you know, warped and crushed into the onslaught and <laughs> of, of Christianity and Catholicism. We love you guys out there, but man, you guys have really, you know, come for everyone at one point or another in history. So we're, we're going to give it to you every now and then. Um, but he he may have attempted to reform Slavic paganism. Um, he built pagan temples all over Kiev, uh, dedicated to six different gods, Perun, uh, Strybog, Dazbog, Mokosh, um, Samargal, um, Polain, etc., etc. So... Kind of, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Important character in Slavic history. And then also on our modern calendars here on June 15th, we have Wind Power Day. This is a global acknowledgement of uh, the advancements in wind power. Yes, here at the edge of Gemini season. Side note, June 16th, we're about to get into it. The sun enters Gemini in sidereal astrology. Great timing, modern science. Wow, interesting. <laughs> okay, so since I've mentioned it, let's get into it. June uh, 16th is a Friday. It's bringing us to the end of our lunar week. We have no astrology of note for this day, which is fine. I think we've had plenty of astrology to wrangle with this week. <laughs> it's nice to kind of go out quietly. Um, and so very quickly, taking a moment to look at our holy days. As I mentioned, the sun enters Gemini in sidereal astrology. If you're like sidereal or sidereal, sidereal, I've I've heard the word pronounced a variety of ways. I say it sidereal. What the hell is that? That's astrology that matches up with astronomy. TLDR, tropical astrology, which is the arguably the most popular form of astrology in the West is about 2000 years behind NBD, right? <laughs> Just 2000 years behind. Um, and the rest of the world, generally speaking, that practices astrology is in alignment with astronomy. And so what we are saying here is that in the sky, the sun is stepping into the stars that we currently consider to be part of or to make up the constellation of Gemini. So if you haven't somehow gotten enough Gemini energy, you're getting it from both ends for this next week because the sun is in Gemini in tropical and, and sidereal for the next week. There you go. Okay. What else do we have going on here from our uh, pagan modern pagan wheel of the year calendars. We have the night of the teardrop 
And this is, again, an acknowledgement of all of our water-oriented goddesses, all of our water-oriented deities, waterways, holy wells, holy springs, holy rivers, holy oceans, all the stuff. Um, some pagans utilize the Night of the Teardrop as a means of... Um, I'm, I'm typing in my notes right now. I'm like... Um, but they utilize it as a as a moment where um, mourning takes place for witches and wizards who have been who have died due to religious persecution. Um, but uh, others see this as a part of the um, Isis Osiris cycle that is beginning to take place or could be taking place around this time of year. Isis sheds one tear for her beloved Osiris. Um, and then that tear is collected into the River Nile. The River Nile, of course, is about to flood in our ancient uh, Egyptian calendar. The, the flooding season of uh, the Nile is coming soon. The Nile no longer floods in its annual cycle because of the Aswan Dam. And we could have an entire conversation about that, but we're not gonna. I'm not gonna tell Egypt how to live in terms of their water supply, but also you guys are messing stuff up <laughs> in this one way. <laughs> Although I'm sure it's really, you know, promoted a well-being for lots of people. But, you know, we have a we're having a global conversation around the benefits or the lack of benefits, the harm caused by dams and damming up rivers and damming up you know, waterways and stuff like that. So another interesting element there with our water imagery as we approach, um, as we approach uh, cancer season and um, the bursting through, right, uh, of, of this energy. So um, also on this day from our Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Um, this is a feast day in the liturgical calendar, um, and it is formally known as the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, it follows after Pentecost, uh, follows after Corpus Christi, because we talked about all that stuff last week. Um, and the, the Sacred Heart is literally the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, acts of consecration, acts of reparation, prayer, feast. Um, and this, this, the icon of the sacred heart is something that we see all over the planet. It is way more than just, uh, Jesus loving folks. Um, there's a, a big complex idea behind the sacred heart but it all it is ultimately sort of the the container for the power of love um and the container for um the divine compassion not just of this deity but all deities that mess with love and compassion and holding things and it often makes me think of a womb or a uterus and I know that those are words that are very gender specific for some folks, but to me, again, kind of hearkening back to this idea of, you know, the quote unquote fertility that um, we're working with in Beltane season, it's this idea of being able to hold 
or contain something? Um, and uh, what specifically are we holding or containing? It's, you know, this, right? Love and compassion and the power behind that stuff. Um, all of that. So, interestingly enough, on this same day, from our Wiccan friends and ancestors, we have the Knight of the Silver Chalice. And the chalice, of course, is quite the holy symbol for Wiccans, pagans, and lots of different faiths around the planet. Chalices are sort of a big deal, right? The Holy Grail, right? <laughs> kind of a thing. And again, so it's the container that hold the blessed container, the sacred container, um, the, the sacred cup within which holds the waters of what? The waters of love, the waters of blessings, the waters of, of magic, the waters of, of healing, the waters out of which other things are birthed and born, um, metaphorically and physically. So as you can see, as we are winding up Beltane season, as we are winding up Gemini season and approaching summer, approaching Litha and approaching cancer season, this water imagery and the containers of that water, literal and metaphysical and metaphorical, um, the waters of life, the waters of of these divine sources are being acknowledged and worshiped and cared for and sort of prepared, right, for the work that we're going to be doing as we move into summer. Okay, so uh, let's review. That is our lunar week. Uh, let's review our astrology and then we will get into our tarot and our witchcraft and our journal prompts for this week. Alrighty, my little revolutionary potatoes. Um, our astrology of this week. What are we doing? Okay. Saturday, June 10th, 12.31 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have our waning half moon at 19 degrees of Pisces. Also on this day, we have the sun in Gemini, sextile Chiron and Aries at 19 degrees. Sunday the 11th, we have retrograde Pluto heading backwards into Capricorn. Then we have pretty much simultaneously uh, Mercury in Taurus trine Pluto retrograde in Capricorn at 29 degrees and 59 seconds and 59 points of point. Like it's like, bam! And then literally at the same time, Mercury enters Gemini. And later that morning, uh, we have the moon heading into Aries. And then we also have uh, Venus in Leo square Jupiter and Taurus at five degrees. Spicy this weekend. Okay. Uh, Monday the 12th, nothing. Thursday, uh, June 13th, we have the moon heading into Taurus. Wednesday the 14th at 2.12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have our balsamic moon at eight degrees of Taurus. Thursday the 15th, we have uh, Mercury in Gemini square Saturn in Pisces at seven degrees. And then the moon heads into Gemini as well. Friday the 16th, nothing. Okay, so that's that. Looking further, uh, our tarot this week, I think, could be the magician. Um, now, I've said this a couple weeks ago. Here are all of the tarot that we could work with during Gemini season. We've got 
the lover's card connects us to Gemini. We have Mercury, excuse me, we have the magician, <laughs> which connects us to the planet Mercury, the ruling planet of Gemini. And then we have the eight, nine, and 10 of swords, which connects us to the three deacons of the three portions of Gemini. So any and all of those tarot are appropriate to work with. Um, this lunar week is leading us up to the new moon in Gemini. And then a few days later, the sun is going to move out of Gemini and into Cancer. So we do still have, you know, this week plus another three, four-ish days of Gemini energy to work with, should you want to really jam it out, focus on it, da-da-da. Any of those cards, I think, can assist with this end of Beltane, end of spring uh, work that we want to be focused on, which is, did I get everything done that I could get done in this Beltane season? We're never going to get it all done. So let that go. Uh, don't hold yourself to that kind of a standard. That's silly and ridiculous. Not on my watch. Uh, but, um, but you know, we do want, we, as I said previously in this podcast, right, we've got this really cool lunar moment, um, to help us appraise and consider and reflect back on everything that we've done so far. And is there anything else that we need to get done? And cumulatively, what have we gotten done? Uh, you know, what needs to be embraced? What needs to be let go of? All of that stuff. And these cards can help us assist, uh, can assist us with that stuff, especially in the area of, as I said before, data, information, knowledge, our knowledge sources, the places where we distribute our knowledge, our social media accounts, our communications in general. Do we need to review? Of course we do. Uh, what needs review? What needs embracing? What needs modification? What needs adaptation? What needs ending? All of that very appropriate for our work this week. But I think hanging out with the magician out of all of those cards could be very, very potent for us um, because the magician is a character in tarot that shows up here at the very end of spring while we're hanging out in Gemini season. And it's also going to show up for us at the very end of summer when we're hanging out in Virgo, because Mercury is also the ruling planet of Virgo. So the magician is sort of overseeing all of our summertime work in a way. And the magician is an archetype that represents our process around getting our data laid out and ready to go. When we think about the Smith-Waite card in tarot and the way that this card is depicted in lots of different decks, we have a magical person of some type wearing their spiffy outfit of doing stuff magically, holding some kind of a magical tool, and they usually have a work table, a workbench, an altar, or something like that in front of them with their tools laid out, ready to go. And so this is a being that's like, what have I got to work with? And what is the work that we're getting done? Let's get squared away and ready to do it. Remember also the magician is in a sense, technically our first major arcana card in tarot. So it does show up at the start of things. And astrologically, we are working with it at the end of things. So there is a little bit of that 
you know, standing with a foot in both worlds element with this uh, magician character, this magician archetype of what are we finishing off and what are we about to get into? And let me make sure that I've got my tools ready to go in good repair, that I know what they're for, that I know how to utilize them. Okay. For our witchcraft this week, if we are engaging in anything, I encourage you to do it before the balsamic moon. And the only reason for that is uh, that I encourage utilizing the balsamic moon period up to the new moon and basically up to the period where we can actually see the moon after it has turned new. So that can be upwards of three or four days worth of time do, to do nothing. To, do, to not do magic, to relax, to rest, to reflect, to review, to consider, to consolidate, uh, to concentrate everything that we have gotten out of the last lunar cycle or whatever cycle we're in. And again, as I said before, our balsamic moon that we're hanging out with this week is our last of this, of Gemini season. It's the last of Beltane and it's the last of spring. So uh, if we're doing any witchcraft, I think that it can either center around any unresolved Beltane work that you need to be doing, right? Look back on all the stuff. We've already listed it off. Go back and listen if you're not sure. All the stuff that we're doing in Beltane, what is a culminating element that we could bring to that? Uh, we also could utilize this time period as divin divination moments for summer, before we are heading into summer. Uh, as a side note, all my patrons, if you guys have readings, schedule with me because I'm taking the last two weeks off, <laughs> which I already said uh, in a post on Patreon. But come check in with me before I, uh, you know, leave Earth for a little while um, and get squared away for this coming season, Litha and Summer and Cancer. Um, but you also can do divinatory work for yourself. You could do divinatory work for your friends and family. Um, for getting ready for this new cycle that we are about to step into. Uh, what do we need to do to wrap up the old thing? What do we need to do to get ready for the new thing? Um, but, and also uh, consider giving yourself some space and time to not do magical work while the moon is balsamic. It's not as big of a deal as um, some of our previous balsamic moons where we've had some like funky astrology. I think the astrology this week is intense but ultimately is okay and is assisting us in the ideas of divination as well as uh, cumulatory appraisal. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> and so our journaling prompts for this week, I think are about thinking on how do I become a good ancestor? And I certainly did not uh, come up with that phrase. People much wiser than I did came up with that phrase, but how do we become Good. At, how are we ensuring that we're doing the work that we can do and ought to be doing to become good ancestors for the folks that are coming in the future? And in that, connecting to our ancestors ourselves and thinking about the struggles and the decisions and the appraisals and the considerations that they had to make, the information they had to work with and the choices that they made on our behalf, right? on behalf of a future that they were not going to participate in. Um, that stuff. How can we be strong? How can we be brave? Um, where do we still need to be calling ourselves out on 
our values and our motivations for what it is that we're trying to achieve and and the stuff we desire in this lifetime in this moment um that stuff i think that's that's the place to to sit or those are the places to sit in our journaling work if we're doing any journaling work and i think i usually say this anything else that comes up for you um anything that comes up for you that that really stood out for you in the podcast this week just hang out with that hang out with those ideas and focus on that stuff all right my pagans my heathens my witches that is more than enough if you didn't get it out of this at last what hour and a half i don't i don't know if you're gonna get it so <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna give it to you <laughs> i'm pretty sure i did uh much love very excited to see the uh the next season coming in, not a huge fan of summer, but you know, I think some cool things are on the rise. Nonetheless, um, little reminder, once again, our next class is going to be June 14th, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. You just look up Megan Angus Litha. Hopefully the video comes up. Um, join us in chat if you've got questions, comments, or just want to give me a hard time. Um, and, uh, I will be releasing that class also as a podcast. So wherever you're listening to this, it will probably show up there as well. Um, and yeah, that's it. Good luck with your magic out there, witches. Blessed be. <laughs>